You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and instead of New Year, New Sodes, I am taking January to celebrate the best of last year. You her? Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. I am pumped that one of my favorite plant party products on the planet is sponsoring this episode. If you've spent but a few secs skimming my Instagram or binge watching my YouTube channel, which you should, by the way, if you haven't, but when you do, you'll see that Sun Warrior plant protein powder is the Kanye to my West, the bees to my knees, the Wilson to my castaway, something I would not want to live without. When I'm looking for a way to make my smoothies actually fill me up so I don't need a follow-up snack a few minutes after finishing my smoothie, I blend in Sun Warrior because I don't want to get bloated, gassy, or feel crappy after consuming protein powder. I use Sun Warrior. Because I am not a fan of protein powders with weird, chalky textures and nasty flavors, I use Sun Warrior. See, it's no wonder I blend Sun Warrior protein powder into every smoothie I make and bake it into almost every baked good I bake. If you want some recipes for doing the same, head to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash partyinmyplants. Click subscribe and you'll get an epic, easy Sun Warrior plant protein recipe in your inbox every month. And if you want to get your mitts on Sun Warrior for 15% less than the rest of the world pays to get their mitts on it, just use the code PARTYINMYPLANTS at checkout on their site, sunwarrior.com. Again, in case you sneezed as I said that, I said you can use code PARTYINMYPLANTS at checkout on sunwarrior.com to save 15%, my friend. The end of the sponsorship thing. I mean, let's get into the meat of the episode, or not meat, the tofu of the episode. (laughs) With the new year and fresh decade in full bloom, I have no doubt that you've renewed your vows with your gym. Even if your relationship with exercise has been strong and steady and you're just keeping going with your sweaty love train, I promise you will walk away from this chat with sports nutritionist Angie Ash so hashtag grateful to your plant partying ways. Angie is a sports dietitian and one super smart dairy-free cookie. In her own private sports nutrition practice called Elite Sports Nutrition, get it, Elite, she advises athletes like pro sports players, gymnasts, ultra runners, figure skaters, and even everyday type A athletes like myself. Her husband, Cody Ash, also plays baseball professionally in the MLB, so I got to pick her brain on how these guys manage to eat healthy when they're always on the road traveling to different dugouts and stuff. Since I've dramatically upped my own athleticism in the past few years, I may have rapid-fired every single question about planty sports nutrition I've ever had, and Angie demystified it all from the deal with iron, glutamine, protein, and even how to travel with bananas, which I still call BS on, but whatever. Bottom line, if you like to move it, move it, and you like to eat plants, eat plants, then about this episode, I say you need to hear it, hear it. (laughs) 
So when you say athletes, do you mean folks that like put on a jersey and report to practice and have a coach? Or like, am I an athlete? Because I work out, you know, six days a week, pretty intensely. Like, what do you define for your work as an athlete? And I won't be offended if I don't classify. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. And that's a really, I actually get that question a lot. It's, it's everybody is an athlete. If you are physically active and you're putting your body through strenuous exercise. So like if you're training for your first half marathon, you in my eyes would be an athlete because you have to take into consideration an actual training schedule. I maybe wouldn't consider someone who like, you know, maybe walks a couple times a week. I, that wouldn't necessarily be an athlete to me, but someone who is, you know, training to get better, to improve their fitness is very much an athlete in in my eyes. Got it. So it's really people that you're helping people that want to eat for performance or to play around with their body fat or to improve, like I said, performance, how heavy they can lift things, how fast they can run, like really focus on controlling your food or using food as a tool to perform better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it it kind of going back to what you said with the whole like putting on a jersey and going to the field, like that is very much a lot of the clientele I meet with. But I do meet with a lot of runners and, you know, people that are training for their first 5k or their first, you know, 10k or half marathon or full marathon. And, you know, just kind of showing how what you eat is, is so important to improving your performance, improving your recovery, your immune system, preventing injury, illness. Mm-hmm. It all just, you know, is encompassed together as as to why nutrition is such a big piece if you are going to be, you know, working towards a, a goal of, you know, like you said, improving your body composition or, you know, maybe getting a personal best or mm-hmm. something in your race. It's it's all tied together. That's so that must be so fun. So you work a lot with baseball players and football players, right? Yeah, baseball and football definitely would be a large clientele for me. My husband plays professional baseball too. So That's that so kind cool. of I get to see, you know, more than just the dietitian side of it. I get to see, I mean, really the whole life and and he's been up and down with the the minor leagues too. So, you know, between minors and majors that is a huge difference. Um with the minor leagues, you know, you're you're in a hotel room most of the time. You are, you know, kind of at the mercy of what's provided to you at the field. You don't really have a lot of of food to choose from. So, I love working with those athletes because nutrition is so important to get get them up to that next level and figuring out, you know, how can you navigate, you know, making sure that you have the right foods packed in your suitcase or, you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's look around and see, you know, what can you walk to nearby or, um, you know, figuring out how they can still implement, you know, proper nutrition while being very limited with both resources and, um, really time too. Yeah. Wow. That's so badass that he's a professional baseball <laughs> player. How did you guys meet? So we met in Nebraska. Here you were laughing at Lincoln, Nebraska. That's where we met. So. I just think it's so random. <laughs> it's not random no, for it you. Is. No, it's not. Yeah, random. so I was born and raised in, in Lincoln, and he, he grew up in St. Louis, but he played uh, baseball at Nebraska. So we both went to the University of Nebraska and met our freshman year, and then uh, he was drafted after his junior year, and I stayed on. Um, obviously to finish college. And then, yeah, he's been playing ever since. That's so cool. So that's interesting. I didn't know that players can bounce between the major and the minor leagues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can always, I mean, bounce majors, minors, um, independent ball. Hmm. Uh, You can go overseas. We have a really good friend playing in uh, South Korea right now. Um, So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Well, I want to get into, you know, how you help him and other 
normal folk that, you know, to eat on the road. But first, I want to just talk about how are there people that come to you that you have to like convince that nutrition is essential for their performance? Are there still like skeptics out there that think that like, oh, I just got to work harder, grind harder, practice more. And you have to convince them that like, yo, if we kind of reel in your nutrition, take a look at what you're eating, play with the timing, like you're going to see a huge difference. Yeah, that is really, and it's funny when I meet with a, with a new athlete or a new client, I really just want to get to know that athlete and see, you know, what is their previous background on nutrition is all the information they got from like family members or like the internet or what do they really know about nutrition and what are their beliefs? And I like to kind of get to know them personally before I just spew a bunch of, you know, education at them because that's not going to go anywhere if, you know, they have all these other thoughts about nutrition. So I really get to know the athlete and see, you know, have them, you know, try to buy into the fact that, yeah, what they are putting in their body is absolutely going to impact and either improve or basically be a hindrance to their performance. So I would say, honestly, I don't have a lot of clients that come to me and don't really buy into it just because since I am in a private practice setting, the athletes that come to me, like they kind of already know about my background and they know about my beliefs and and what I do. And they've also heard from maybe another athlete. A lot of it is referrals. So maybe they say, Hey, so-and-so like, I know you helped so-and-so, you know, put on this much muscle or, you know, reduce this much body fat. And so they kind of already know that they want to meet with me. And I think that helps. I think that's, that's different from like, if I were in a hospital setting or something where, you know, that that person is really forced to listen to me rather than, you know, paying to seek me out, (laughs) I guess. Um, (laughs) forced to listen to my advice on, yeah, yeah. Heart healthy education. Um, so, so yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, it doesn't take too much to really, you know, get them to, to buy into the fact that nutrition is, is very important for their performance. And how would you like differentiate between nutrition and just like eating a healthy diet? Is there a difference there? I mean, if somebody listening is like, yo, like I'm already eating low gluten or I'm already eating so many plants, you know, not a lot of processed food, yada, yada, yada. Like that's, I got my nutrition locked and loaded. Is that, does that count? Or are we talking like really reeling in on like your macros and your like iron and all that kind of stuff? Like tell me the difference, kind of like walk me through the difference. Yeah. So, okay. First of all, so many thoughts right now, but, um, yeah. So kind of what you said, that's a really good start. And when I have someone that comes to me, that's already a really healthy eater, but maybe they're struggling with some GI issues or some bloating, or they tell me like, gosh, I just have no appetite, you know, after I work out or, you know, trying to really figure out what their issue is because you could be the healthiest eater on the planet. And if you ate something that exactly another athlete ate the exact same thing, it may not be the greatest thing for them because maybe they have an intolerance or a sensitivity sensitivity to a food or it just doesn't settle well with them or, you know, and so on. And so it's really, you know, what works for one athlete isn't going to necessarily work for the other. So you're exactly right in the sense that I'll look and I'll see, all right, well, let's break down and see, you know, do you have any food sensitivities? That's one thing I can talk about. Um, do you, you know, can you have a journal and write down notes? Like I had, I recently had an athlete with, with IBS, she's an ultra runner. And so for her journaling was so important to really pinpoint, you know, after we walked through FODMAPs to see, all right, well, what is your, what is your limitation here? How much of this food can you consume before it really starts to irritate you? So it is a lot of journaling. And then from there is when, so it, it even waits and 
until that point to really say, all right, here's your macro, here's your micros. I don't think it really works for an athlete to just you know, throw a bunch of macros and micros out there because until you really get to see what they're currently doing, then it's not really beneficial for them. If, you know, maybe their diet is only 30% carbohydrates. And if I write up macros for, you know, say 60% carbs, it's going to be a huge jump for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really figuring out, you know, well, do they like carbs more? Do they like fats more? Like how can we manipulate this a little bit? And also what are they lacking? Maybe if they're, you know, struggling with omegas and struggling with, you know, other healthy fats, then I'll boost up the fat a little bit instead of the carbohydrates. So it's totally dependent on the athlete. And it takes a lot of meetings to really get to that point. I think I often have, you know, individuals that they'll message me and say like, Hey, like, can you make me a meal plan? Like, it's not really just as easy as just like handing out a meal plan because I mean, it might work for you for like that week, but Mm -hmm. like, then what are you going to do? Like repeat it over and over again? Like that's not really that helpful. It doesn't really teach you anything. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. I'm going through this right now where I, I, I mean, it, and it's been a journey for me where I went from, you know, the normal crappy diet to eating, I was vegan and then listening to my body, I became pescatarian, yada, yada. But I, as I started to like work out much harder and like really prioritize my fitness, I did notice that food actually, it wasn't enough just to be like, Oh, I'm plant-based. Like all's well, you know, I really had to start and this is why I'm so excited to talk to you. I really had to start like thinking about like learning about like BCAAs and like that was a breakthrough for me or, you know, starting to sort of, and I'm not anywhere even near where I want to be in terms of knowing all this stuff, but like timing of food and like, it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. So basically you agree. Oh, here's the doorbell where the dog's going to bark. You, <laughs> I warned you. We'll just fight through it. Um, <laughs> you agree that it's not enough really for an athlete to take it to the next level to just be like, I'm plant-based. Peace out. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, I kind of build this little pyramid where the biggest part, that bottom piece of the pyramid is basically functional nutrition. So overall your health, you know, how much protein and carbs and fat and actual micronutrients are you getting before you even touch on the supplements? So if you are like a plant-based eater, like you said, then I highly recommend, it sounds like you did exactly what I would have recommended is where you listen to your body, you might take notes or might journal and say, you know, something's just not right, whether it's fatigue or whether it's, you know, maybe you can't even get through a whole workout. I was getting after every workout. I started doing CrossFit and I would I was like really into it and like really amping up my stuff. And I would literally get a cold after every intense workout. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, okay, what is happening? And that's when right. I really start because I would just get sick. Or I also started training for a half marathon just for funsies. And after my long runs, I would start getting sick as well. Like a cold, like, a, like sick. And that's yeah. when I was like, something's wrong. And I just like tried to, I should have, I wish I knew you, but I was just trying to like <laughs> hack my system, but I hope you can provide information that helps other people. So they don't have to hack it like yeah. I did. <laughs> no. And that's that you did basically the right steps where, so what I would recommend is always journaling things down and seeing, you know, well, let's take a look and actually see. And that's, it's hard because, so I know you have some nutrition background and you're a chef. So for you, I mean, it's a lot easier to probably look at something and be like, oh gosh, like look where my protein, my grams of proteins are, or my, mm-hmm. or my iron, like no wonder I'm feeling this way. But for a lot of people, it's really hard to just look at that and know it. So for that's where a dietitian comes in handy <laughs> yeah. because 
you know, you'll be able to write it down, but then you might not be able to figure it out. But then if you give that to me, I can see right away. It's like, well, that's a no brainer. You're trying to run, you know, nine miles on 20 grams of carbohydrates and zero grams of of protein. Like it's no wonder you're feeling awful by the end of it. Can't get through it. And so it's, you know, kind of more education on, you know, if you are going to be strictly vegan, how can we work with that? Because it is absolutely possible to get enough protein. I think that's a huge myth. You can't get enough protein if you're vegan. That's not what? an issue, but <laughs> but more, you know, like talking about the iron and the B12 and those other micronutrients that it is a little bit trickier. You do have to think a little bit harder. And that's where supplements are that top of that pyramid I mentioned where, mm. you know, it's, it does become important for sure. And especially like you mentioned, you realize the importance of BCAAs for someone that's training that hard, then yeah, those types of things are definitely a great addition to the diet. And it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to cause you any harm by having BCAAs. If anything, if you don't need them, it's just not necessary, but it's not like you're, you know, harming your body Mm -hmm. by, by supplementing with BCAAs. Okay. For anyone who's wondering what are BCAAs, can you explain? (laughs) Yeah. So BCAAs are branch chain amino acids. So it consists of three amino acids, isoleucine, leucine, and valine. And these are essential because they basically can't be made by the body. So you have to consume them in your diet from protein rich foods. So BCAAs and especially leucine, I'm sure you've probably heard a lot about leucine. Those are key stimulators of what's called protein synthesis or building up muscle mass. So they also play a huge role in preventing muscle breakdown from happening. So what that basically means, if if you're someone that wants to get stronger, you want to recover faster, then BCAAs could be beneficial for you. And also an athlete can easily get this from food. Like if you're eating chicken or fish or eggs or dairy, but notice all of those foods mm-hmm. are animal proteins. Yeah. So, That's why I started right. supplements with supplementing with it. My trainer suggested it because he said it would help me with my appetite. Like, cause sometimes I would just get ravenous and feel like totally not satiated after a hard workout for like the, the day I'd feel like just completely drained. Um, right. and also he said it would help with recovery. Like I wouldn't be as sore. And and then I was like, I don't know how to get them. So I'm like, I guess I have to supplement. So there's no plant-based sources. Well, not necessarily. You can always combine different foods. And I think that's a big misconception too, where the term incomplete protein is like a big word that I feel like vegans hear often. And they assume that they have to have beans and rice together to make a complete protein. But it's basically within a 24-hour window. So as long as you're getting especially leucine-rich foods, so the food that... The, the types of foods that I really look at is, are you getting enough leucine? Because that's really that, that branch chain amino acid that is so beneficial for, you know, building up muscle mass. And especially like you said, with recovery. So things like oats are rich in leucine and by rich, it's definitely not even compared to things like eggs and fish. It's, it's still pretty low levels, but if you were to have oats every day, soybeans, especially, oh. so it is a little bit tougher if people, you know, avoid soy products oh, because yeah. edamame, tofu, all of that stuff are, are going to have some BCAAs as well. Um, and then of course, protein powders is a really easy way. Like plant-based protein powders usually have so many different types. Like they have pea protein and brown rice protein and all those together that they are a good source of BCAAs too. Mm. So it's not necessarily like you have to go out and, you know, start eating meat to get BCAAs. It's just, you have to be a little bit more cautious of, you know, the types of basically, you know what, this actually reminds me of a good podcast of yours that I listened to recently. Oh my God. Yeah, the gut health. MD. Oh yeah, Doctor oh, B. Gosh. 
Yes, I loved him. Yes. Um, but he mentioned the diversity of of plants and yes. how important that is to have a variety of plants. And for one, I cannot stress this enough, but I also want to stress the diversity of proteins when it comes to vegans, because when you think about it, there's nine essential amino acids and they're very much split between, you know, if you're having a lot of beans or you're having a lot of, uh, say soy or nuts or seeds or whatever it might be or grains. And so the more variety you have rather than just eating, say legumes, then the chances are, you're going to exceed your BCAA needs and get all of the essential amino acids that you need. I love that. Okay. Variety in proteins too, not just variety in plants. So let's give me, give me your favorite planty proteins. Ooh, my favorite planty proteins. Okay. So, (laughs) um, I love sunflower seeds. Oh, I don't eat any sunflower seeds. Really? Yeah. They're they're not in my life. Sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. I love hemp seeds. Um, I use, I personally use a hemp protein um, just because it's rich in iron and it's a complete protein too. So there it's got all the essential amino acids right there. What brand uh, do you use? It's called, is it called uh, Manitoba Harvest? Yeah. Uh-huh. Man- Manitoba. I'm like, I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Right now. I could walk. Is it yellow? Like, is the yes, branding like yellow kind of and green like, writing? Yeah, and they they sell like hemp hearts too, like mm-hmm. in, in the back. Okay, you can get that's like the OG. Hemp. That's been around forever. <laughs> it has, it has. Wow, look at you. Yeah, it's amazing. And I just do like the unflavored. It's literally just ground up hemp. I throw it in smoothies. It's delicious. It's got tons of iron. So yeah, and then I I do eat soy. I eat a little bit of tofu, and I love tempeh. So uh-huh. um, those are good sources too. Beans. I'm a big big fan of lentils and chickpeas. Um, yeah. And I also do eat eggs. So I'm a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I eat eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I liked fish. Honestly, oh. I have tried my entire life to enjoy salmon and I can't do it. Oh. I just can't. I grew up growing up. I hated fish with all my might. Like I despised it. And so when I went vegan, I was like, you know, this, like, it was no problem. Cause I like hated yeah. fish and I just stopped eating meat and chicken. But then after once I started working out harder, like I said, my body just naturally started craving fish. And I was like, what the hell is happening? I've always hated fish. It's like part of my identity to hate fish, but I just all That's of a crazy. sudden liked it. So, and like, I eat it all the time. I love it. So yeah. even like the salmon, like even yeah. like the, the fishy fish, you, wow, yeah, I hope I that happened. I raw hope fish, that for me. yeah, sushi. And then I went to like some sashimi even. I can wow. do smoked salmon now. It's been a like a process. I mean, this has been like, I think, I don't know, like six years pretty much in the making. Like it started with like a little white fish and then salmon. And then like my mom was like, try smoked salmon. I'm like, you got to be kidding. That's nasty. And then I liked <laughs> it. So I don't know. There's still hope for you. If you want, there's this for me. Yeah, my uh, my husband is a pescatarian, so I make oh, salmon perfect. for him all the time. And every, I swear, every time I like try the tiniest little flake, and I'm like, "Yep, I still hate fish. <laughs> I just can't do it." Well, you could try like a more mild fish. Salmon's pretty aggressive. Yeah, Salmon's yeah, it like, is pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> okay, what do you do with sunflower seeds? By the way, like I, I honestly, they're not involved in my life at all. So. I don't yeah, know why. So, ooh, you know what? One of my favorite is doing like this. Um, it's basically a like a chickpea salad sandwich. So you mash up like the chickpeas, some hummus, a little bit of avocado, a little bit of mustard. You do like a bunch of like dill and celery, and then I throw a bunch of sunflower seeds in there. And I think it gives it like a nice crunch, mm. and it makes it even more salty. So yeah, that's one way. Um, I put them on salads a lot. Yeah, just sprinkle them on top. Nice. Do you ever do sunflower butter? 
You know, I'm not a big fan of sunflower butter. It's gross. It's gross. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm like, sorry. I mean, it's know, not – Wild I, Friends I, makes a pretty good one, but I've had brands that are not great. Anyway. Okay. So talk to me about the role of protein and like if somebody, cause really what this conversation is about is taking, you know, everyone listening is already like, yes, I'm eating plants. I eat mostly plants. I eat only plants. Da, da, da. This is really about taking it to the next level and getting more organized and strategic with what types of plants you consume when in order to improve your movement goals. So talk to me about the role of protein and the timing in which protein is the most beneficial for fitness. Sure. So I'll talk about the role obviously first. So protein is going to be beneficial not only with building muscle, but you mentioned a big one where your immune system, you felt sick after every workout. It has a huge effect on immune system, overall fatigue. I personally have never seen a protein deficiency, but I have seen a few athletes that are a little bit low in protein intake, but I should also mention they're not vegans either. The ones that I've seen. So, you know, and, and when you do increase protein, you pretty much immediately feel more satiated. You're going to feel, um, you know, a little bit more energy overall. It does help with weight management too, because obviously when you have a high amount of carbohydrates, high amount of fat, very low, uh, protein, you're not really getting that satisfied feeling after meals. So very beneficial in weight management. Uh, similar, similar to fiber in that sense. But I should also mention that protein deficiency is so minimal in the U S like almost non-existent. So (laughs) we're like, you probably see surplus excess. Oh my gosh. Oh, all the time. I see it more times than not well over 200% of the recommended intake that, and that's (laughs) even like a high recommended intake. Like, and it's because if you haven't noticed protein is being added to literally everything like potato chips, ice cream. Like you would think that like America is in some like protein deficiency epidemic or something. Why? Why are they doing that? (laughs) I think because, you know, carbs have been demonized. Fat has been demonized. Protein has never really been demonized. So it's kind of, you know, like everyone accepts protein, you know, it doesn't matter if you're low fat or low carb. Oh my God. That's so So, funny. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absurd and ridiculous, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Protein is always affiliated with, you know, lean and and strong. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it can relate to almost everyone. So it's just kind of popular putting everything, but, um, it's very rare that I see one, but in terms of like figuring out, you know, how much should you specifically have basically the very generic recommendation is 0.8 grams per kilogram, but I consider that to be pretty low. And I don't recommend that really to anyone because I feel everyone could benefit from a little bit more protein. So I typically recommend no more than about 1.2 to 1.4 grams per kilogram per day. Per kilogram you weigh? Yeah, kilogram body weight. So like what you do is you take your weight in pounds and you Mm -hmm. divide it by 2.2 to get Mm -hmm. kilograms. And then you take that and times it by 1.2 to 1.4. And that'll tell you how many grams of protein you should be shooting for for day. Mm. Now that's going to be upwards of maybe 1.7 to even 2.0 for a strength training athlete. Um, But again, when you look at that, I mean, it's still not as much protein as you would think. Mm. Um, So I I am not good. I'm I'm like trying to do math in my mind, but I'm not succeeding. But I I always was told really roughly like a gram of protein per pound you weigh. That's at least what my husband's always said. Is that not true? 
it's pretty close. That's more on the higher end. So I could go with that. Yeah. Or whatever. So people here, can I'm going to take an example. I'm, yeah. So I'll say if someone is 150 pounds, then divided by 2.2, that's 68 mm-hmm. kilograms. So they mm-hmm. weigh about 68 kilograms. So if you times that by 1.2, that leaves you with about 82 grams of protein. Okay. So you can see that's a big difference because if yeah. you were saying one pound, yeah. be 150 wow. grams. Gosh. Yeah. And what are some cons to eating? Like if my husband is eating a gram of protein per pound he weighs, what could be bad about that? Well, it depends on the overall, the other parts of his diet too. Because when you think about it, if he's eating, let's say, you know, 2000 calories versus 4000 calories a day, it depends. Because when you look at it, Mm -hmm. if he's having, let's say 4000 calories, but you know, even with 150 grams, that only comes out to be maybe 20% of his total calories from protein. It's not a huge deal. But let's say he's only eating 2000 calories, and maybe that 150 grams makes up for like 45%. Well, then you do run into the issue of now your carbs and fat aren't as high. So, you know, maybe he's not eating enough plant foods. So maybe not enough, you know, vegetables or fruits or healthy fats like nuts, seeds. Uh, So usually, I mean, it's more about a balance and, Mm -hmm. and, I feel like that's probably not the case for him unless, you know, you've noticed he's really overdoing the protein. No, he's fine. I was just hypothetically. <laughs> I yeah, no, it, it, there's very little risk. I mean, you'd have to really be like overdoing the protein to see an actual, you know, like renal issues or mm-hmm. things like that. And comparing plant protein versus animal protein, why, in your words, is plant protein the bomb.com? So, well, for one, I think a big part is the fiber because Americans lack so much fiber. I want to say maybe 90% or more Americans don't meet the fiber needs per day. And what's the fiber needs per day? uh, So for women, it's 25 grams. And for men, it's, I want to say 38 grams per day. I'm just thinking 25 grams of fiber is like not that much. And every 90% of women don't get that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got to listen to this podcast. They got to follow yeah. you on Instagram. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so, um I think, you know, plant proteins are just so beneficial because they're also usually very high in micronutrient content too. So like taking mm-hmm. for example, beans, you know, beans are also rich in iron, they have zinc, they have fiber, uh, a little bit of fat. There's just so much to them. Obviously, things like fish and, you know, eggs, there's benefit to that too. But um, overall, plant-based proteins are very nutritious. They're very nutrient-dense when it comes to, you know, you get more bang for your buck with with plants than you do with most animal proteins. Yeah, I mean, animal proteins, they don't bring anything else to the table, right? It's just pretty much protein. I guess there's iron and I get, right, there's some, and I guess, you know, like you were saying, they have BCAAs, B12, okay. But like, there's no fiber. Yeah, truly, there's very little fiber. Yeah, I'd say the exception may be eggs with, you know, the yolks having a good amount of vitamin A, you know, some vitamin D, um, you know, you have leucine and zeaxanthine, some antioxidants in there. But yeah, with the exception of like a lean chicken breast, you're really not getting much besides, you know, protein. Yeah. And plants are so much easier to digest. I mean, isn't that a huge reason why all these elite athletes, elite athletes like Tom Brady and and company are all like promoting all the plants, right? They talk about how it's so much less um, inflammatory for the body. 
Yes, plant foods are in general far less likely to produce inflammation than animal proteins. They're very much anti-inflammatory. So as an athlete, you're always trying to find ways to improve and enhance your recovery. So basically eating more plant foods is going to help aid in recovery and, and the time when your body's really repairing that tissue damage from exercise. So you might, you know, recover faster for your next training session. Or in the case like Tom Brady, he's what, like almost 40 and he's still playing in the NFL. Like that's nuts. But, um, you know, definitely eating plant foods is going to help with that inflammatory response and allow your body to rehabilitate itself uh, a lot faster. Because when we work out, we do we then we get inflamed, right? Or no? Yeah, super good question. So inflammation is very complex. And a lot of people basically like they think it's like some big umbrella term and all means is, you know, one thing, but there's chronic and there's acute inflammation and chronic inflammation is more in relation to actual, you know, health concerns, things like diabetes or uh, heart disease, that kind of, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, but acute inflammation is what happens say after, um, you know, maybe like when you're stressed or after a hard workout, you're going to have that acute inflammation. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, because you do kind of want your, your body to go through that to kind of basically get through it to the next step. So you're going to have these teeny tiny little micro tears in your muscle and, and that's okay because your body's going to rehabilitate and actually grow itself a little bit faster, a little bit stronger the next time. So inflammation isn't always necessarily a bad thing. And I think people just kind of assume that that inflammation all means the same thing. But like someone could even have gut inflammation. They could have inflammation in their gut, whether it's a sensitivity to a food or um, you know, an allergy or maybe even something from the air, like an environmental factors or stress factor factors, things like that. Um, so inflammation can mean a lot of different things, but overall, when you have more antioxidants in your diet, you have more of those polyphenols, more of the, the plant foods, you're going to overall reduce that inflammation, whether it's in your gut, um, overall muscles, your tissues. Mm -hmm. So you'll re reduce both the chronic inflammation if you're suffering from that and the Absolutely. acute one, like for recovering from a workout. Yeah, absolutely. There's research too showing benefit of, you know, vegan diet for heart disease and vegan mm -hmm. diet for rheumatoid arthritis. And when you look at it, it, it really does go back to those, those levels of inflammation. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know what sucks? Not wearing compression socks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I used to think compression socks were those knee-high stockings my grandma wore with her flat tan Velcro strap sneakers. But that was before I learned about Comrade's incredibly fun-looking compression socks. Not to judge them too hard, but the peeps at Comrade legit spent two years developing these adorable, non-ugly, knee-high socks that provide all-day comfort and deliver certified health benefits. I'm sure you've heard that wearing compression socks on airplanes helps keep your blood circulating to combat jet lag, fatigue, and even reduce serious health risks like blood clots. But did you know that wearing compression socks makes walking Tommy or your pup cooking in the kitchen, hopefully recipes from partyinmyplants.com or from my upcoming book, Party in Your Plants, out in April 2020, or sitting doing endless emails all much more comfortable experiences. Comrade socks are proven by myself also, as well as studies, to energize our legs, reduce swelling, and increase circulation, all things that truly have been lessening the frequency that I have to go get cheap foot massages for my incredibly consistently sore feet. Do I feel kind of dorky promoting compression socks? Yes. 
Do I swear that you can trust me that these socks are worth me feeling dorky right now? Also, yes. And do I have a special offer for how you can get Comrades Rad compression socks for 20% less than non-party in my plants podcast listening humans? Hell yes. Go to comradesocks.com slash party to see how fun their socks really are. And then to try ordering one pair or a little bundle for 20% off. That's comradesocks.com, C-O-M, radsocks.com slash party and use discount code party at checkout and then have a party in your incredibly comfortable and nourished feet. So then talk to me about the role of protein around working out. Like how I've always been told and I'm okay. Basically I need help. (laughs) This is a selfish question. (laughs) I struggle with a pre-workout for strength training. I like to do my cardio fasted. I do it in the morning so I don't eat before it. You can tell me if that's terrible. But for strength training or for a normal person that doesn't like to do a fasted workout, I've heard that you're not supposed to get really protein before a workout and that you're not really supposed to get fat either. So like then I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to eat because a banana then just like spikes my blood sugar and then I don't feel great and like strong. So like... Help a sister out with pre-workout stuff, please. Yeah, so I'm going to walk you through basically the whole day. So if someone has a similar situation and, yes. and try to answer all those questions in one. So first you asked about, you know, that fasted cardio and in the in the morning. So if your workout is 60 minutes or less or around, you know, somewhere within an hour, then I think fasted cardio can actually be beneficial for you. So you could actually decrease body fat by doing this fasted cardio. But if you're going to be training for, let's say an hour and a half or two hours, or you get into that point where now your glycogen stores have been depleted and you're actually going to be starting to break down muscle, then that's where those branched chain amino acids are going to be beneficial. So if you're doing your fasted cardio again, for longer periods of time, I'd say absolutely include BCAAs and maybe even consider a little bit of carbohydrates about 45 minutes into it. Again, that's going to be more for the people that are doing like an hour and a half long session. Okay. So this is for like cardio. Yep. For cardio. Yes. Okay. So what's a good, like mid, like 45 minutes in, like, what would you do? Just like pop a squat and like eat an apple <laughs> <laughs> and while you're running on the treadmill. Like, oh, my God, so me. it's really, there, there's a lot of, you know, like sports products out there, whether it's little gummies or little gels, that's more geared towards endurance athletes. But Honestly, if you ate like half a banana or maybe like broke off a piece of a bar, like uh, maybe like a Lara bar or something that you, you know, really likes, just break off a little piece of that just to give you those okay. quick acting carbohydrates. Again, it's really only, it depends on the person because mm-hmm. I also have people, and this is why, you know, once you practice sports nutrition for a while, you see how traditional sports nutrition is taught, how it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really apply to everyone. Like yeah. everyone has their own genetic makeup. And I have one runner who can run three hours without eating something before. And if they do, they're in the bathroom for, you know, at least 10 minutes of, of the race. So, wow. um, it's very much, you know, individualized of, of your gut, your, so your annoying. Micro- I wish it, it was is. just like you could tell us the answer and then we could all just I know. I can it. give examples. I can actually no, give examples. I know. I know. I'm not so. like, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, but, but in the case of, you know, what can you have that's easy, portable, I would say fruit. So like half a banana again, mm-hmm. or like half a larvar. If you want to do the gummies, 
that could work too. Mm -hmm. Um, the good thing about the gummies, and I think people kind of steer clear from them because, you know, they're high in sugar and, you know, maybe they avoid added sugar, but really the point is to get fast acting carbohydrates. If you try to intake a bunch of slow absorbing carbs, that's mm. not, it kind of defeats the purpose of, of what we're trying to achieve here. And so what you're trying to achieve is so you're, is to just in, in layman's terms is to replenish your like glycogen stores, which is what your blood sugar ish stuff stores to so your body instead is not breaking down muscle and stealing from the muscle you worked hard to build to convert that to energy right and it's like i've taken all the energy that's available i'm now gonna go into your freaking quads and break Mm -hmm. break down that muscle and now i'm gonna use that for energy and so you're saying no like pop a bite of a lar bar or gummy or a banana so that your body doesn't resort to breaking down your hard working you know the stuff you worked hard for yes you nailed it 100 percent. that was perfect spot on so and then to answer your question To answer your question about other pre, you know, what should you have before a workout? How much protein? How much carbs? How much fat? So I hate to also say that a little bit of that does also depend on the person only when it comes to fiber, because, you know, one thing that I was taught years ago was always keep it low fiber, keep it low residue, keep it, you know, make sure that you're not having a ton of fiber before you go work out. Why? Um, so that you don't have to like basically go to the bathroom in the middle of your workout. Okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But what I've come to find is, you know, if you already eat a very high fiber diet, it's usually not an issue if you have, say, a bowl of oats with some bananas and like a sprinkle of seeds or, you know, some type of nut butter, even though those oats and the banana have some fiber in it. For most people, that's tolerated. And I think, you know, one thing that people get confused about with that traditional sports nutrition is that, you know, they think that they have to have white bread because it's, you know, super low fiber and they don't want any fiber. But again, if you're having like 60 grams of fiber a day, like that little bit of fiber is going to be fine, especially if you space it out long enough. So what I would recommend is if, if you're working out, say in the afternoon, uh, or what, what time are you training usually? Well, I do the run if I'm running first thing, well, not first thing, like nine in the morning. And then I actually just came from the gym right now. I'm like still sitting here sweating. So I did a workout at what time then it was like 1245 today. 1245. So what I would say, try to eat a more substantial meal about three hours before. So that could really be since you break them up, you break your workouts up. That could be not only a good post workout meal for your run, but kind of your pre workout meal for your second workout of the day, basically your lift. Um, so that meal could have a little bit more fiber in it. It could definitely have some fats in it if you wanted to. Um, but mainly carbs and protein. I usually say after cardio, try to keep it about a three to one ratio of carbs to protein. So that could be somewhere around like 40 or let's say 30 grams of carbs and at least 10 grams of protein, which is super easy to achieve. If you make a smoothie, you can get there pretty easy. And that would be basically like the minimum. Obviously, if you go for longer, you're going to need a little bit more carbs, a little bit more protein and so on. But then leading up to your lift, I would say try to have a little bit of something, especially if you notice, and this is where it all comes down to like keeping track of your own body and seeing, you know, how do you feel by 45 minutes into your workout? Do you feel like you're, you know, already super fatigued? Then maybe try to eat something before. Um, And I would say try to incorporate a little bit of protein. There's nothing wrong with that. I would say keep fats low about an hour before. You really want to keep them to a minimum. I'd say a little bit of like nut butter, a little bit of nuts are okay just because they are higher in protein, but otherwise keep it pretty much protein and, and carbohydrates before your lift. 
and after, right? You don't want to replenish with fat. 100%. When is fat good? (laughs) So fat, fat is good for, well, for a lot of reasons too, but fat is going to be good, you know, a few hours after. So like, let's say you get done with your lift around, I don't know, maybe well, you said 1245, one o'clock, then maybe like a a later snack in the day, you're going to have, you know, like a big handful of nuts with, you know, a piece of fruit or something else. Maybe for dinner, you also incorporate, you know, some vegetables that you cooked in avocado oil, Mm -hmm. and maybe you, you know, also sprinkled some seeds on top or whatever it might be. So there's still going to be room for for fat in your diet. It's just, you really don't want it. It's not going to be as beneficial for you around the times you work out. Because when you think about it, then if you're adding that, you could otherwise be subtracting from the two other items that you really need, those two other macronutrients that are more important, or you could be overeating. You could be eating way too big of a meal right after you get done working out too, if you're also trying to incorporate a ton of fat in there. But it really does tend to slow the recovery process down mm-hmm. when you really want that that protein and the carbohydrates together to work and really help with that, what's called an anabolic response. So basically the the carbohydrate goes in and it helps with your to to kind of have a, a blood sugar rush, which helps basically bring up insulin, which in turn has an anabolic or a growth response in your muscles. And then the protein is going to help to replenish your muscles, help them recover, help with all of the amino acid breakdown. So in turn, they really do work together. I, I, that's one, I guess, um, myth that I often see in athletes is they'll take a a post-workout protein shake, but it'll literally just be water and protein powder and uh-huh. it'll be no carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And they're not really getting as much benefit because they're not getting that that anabolic response with with carbohydrates as they otherwise would. They are protecting their muscles, which is good. It's better than nothing. But uh, you know, I really do recommend getting both both carbs and protein. You won't need as many carbs after a lift as you would a uh, say cardio session, but you still do need a little bit. So basically for cardio, you want more carbs than you do protein after. And mm-hmm. for lifting or, you know, a CrossFit class or a boot camp class and something like that, you'd want more protein than carbs. And exactly. fat can come in later in the day. It's not really right. helpful around either before or after your workouts. But it's great in right. general, right? Great in general, okay. but not not, not ideal around the times you you are training. Yeah, and ideally, I mean, I would recommend at least after a lift, at least twenty grams of protein within about about sixty minutes. So it's not like a religious has to be an hour, but just ideally try to get something in the next you know sixty minutes. And that's something that I've had to work with a lot of athletes too because you know, intense exercise can cause a lack of appetite. And so yes. when you have that lack of appetite, have you struggled with that? Yes. And what, what has worked well for you? Just force, just being like, you got to eat or you're going to get sick. I've just so known the consequences, you know, like absolutely. That's what, that was another issue. I mean, I love working out. It is my, I always say it is my antidepressant, my anti-anxiety, my anti-constipation. It is essential yes. for me to be a functioning, happy, productive human. So I do work out every day and I was just, it was impacting my life negatively because I was just getting sick. So I realized that I was waiting too long to eat. And then by the time I ate, I was just dead. Like I was useless. So I'm like, you just have to eat or else you know the consequences. But do you have any better advice than that? (laughs) 
No, no. I mean, for one, listening to your body is the best advice, number one. So listening to your body and seeing, okay, this clearly doesn't work out for me. Like, look at the negative impact it's having. But for a lot of athletes, what works really well is drinking their calories. So mm-hmm. like smoothies are a really easy one. And even if you can only get through like half of it, if you know you're only going to drink half, just make it really dense in protein so that as long as you're drinking half of it, you're still getting at least about 20 grams of protein. So um, that's really that's what helpful. I try to shoot for. And yeah, as long as you can get that. And then hopefully by the next hour or so, you are you know, feeling much better and you can eat a little bit more substantial meal. But again, if you go, say, four hours without eating, well, now not only do you feel incredibly fatigued, but you've you know, basically like you know, had a huge fault to your recovery. So now you're not going to be able to perform better the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, you take one big step back just because you couldn't get in the, the nutrition you needed right away. So, um, and then the other benefit too, and I'm not sure if you've, uh, you mentioned BCAAs. I'm not sure if you look much into this at all too, but creatine, do you, have you looked much into creatine? No, I thought that's just what those like buff guys at the gym did. <laughs> and that gives them like acne. That's oh, when you wow. say creatine, that's what comes to mind is like these macho dudes at the gym that like their skin is so inflamed because they're yeah, those are, having creatine. Those are steroids. Oh, is, I thought creatine was a steroid. No, okay. see, that's a huge misconception. So creatine is an amino acid. It's actually naturally occurs in your body. So it's, it's a very natural amino acid. It's found in meat. You eat it every time you eat fish. Uh, you get a little bit of creatine. So, and there is a huge misconception about yeah. it. I think it's done really bad rap. And, um, but it is extremely beneficial, especially for, you know, the number one types of athletes that see the most benefit are vegetarian and vegan athletes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Tell what more. it is, is yeah. Yeah. So when you are exercising, your body is using what's called phosphocreatine and your muscles to basically resynthesize ATP. So resynthesize, get your energy going. So what creatine does is it basically helps restore all of that phosphocreatine in your muscles to make you go for longer. You can run longer, you can recover faster. Um, it's a very, it's, it's a very helpful supplement, honestly. And again, it's extremely natural. It's one of the most studied supplements out there in sports nutrition, but um, again, yeah, they, they found that vegetarian and vegan athletes actually see the most benefit because they usually have the lowest phosphocreatine stores because again, you get it in meat and fish. So when you're not eating meat and fish, you don't have a lot of phosphocreatine in your muscles. So usually with vegan or vegetarian or even plant-based athletes, what I'll do is, you know, I'll have them start with a loading phase of creatine. So they might do say like 20 grams for three days, which is only about like four tiny little scoops mixed in water. And they'll do that. And then they'll go to basically a maintenance phase where they're just doing about three to five grams every day. And this is something they could like put in their smoothies or, um, you know, just like I said, mixed with water, it's pretty easy to take, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been really beneficial for a lot of my athletes, everything from runners to, you know, baseball, football, it it doesn't really matter the sport. It's overall going to be beneficial to those phosphocreatine stores in your muscles. My mind is blown. My, <laughs> they need a creatine is a better publicist because it's, <laughs> I literally just think, you know, like those Planet Fitness commercials where those guys are like, I lift things up and put them down. Like that's the type of person I think is like taking creatine and like their face is all messed up because they're like reacting <laughs> terribly. <laughs> yeah, those are called steroids or testosterone boosters. That's what those are. And you don't recommend yeah. those. Don't recommend those. No, absolutely not. 
So there's no <laughs> plant-based sources of phosphocreatine is what you're saying. Uh, no, you can't really get creatine in a lot. I mean, unless you're like eating eggs, but again, that's not really not necessarily vegan. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, and you just buy like a powder supplement, kind of like you add to your water or smoothies. Yep. Yep. So you buy and it literally tastes like nothing. It's, it's again, it's very similar to branching amino acids. Cause yeah. when you think about it, it's, again, it's, it's an amino acid is what it is. But I think the name creatine also just sounds like it's like should be illegal or something. Yes. So I think, <laughs> I think people process. like get concerned, like, Oh, they're taking creatine. Um, I know it sounds like really bad. Like, like, yeah, not like bad, like not like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, cool. That's so helpful. Um, I had another thought, but now I forgot. Talk to me about, I'm just going to ask you questions. Talk to me about iron. Iron is honestly nothing I think about. I've never, I haven't thought about iron ever. I just assume I get enough of it because I eat such a diverse amount of plants. Thank you, Dr. B. But talk to me about iron. Why is it important for athletes? What plants have it? I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So clearly you've never struggled with anemia, which is really good. I see, I've seen this in a couple different figure skaters that I work with. It's definitely more common in females, obviously menstrual cycles, uh, females need more iron. Females. Is that, yes. Is that yes. Okay. That, well, you think like figure skaters, gymnasts, absolutely runners, um, cross country uh-huh. runners. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So iron, iron is a mineral and what it is, is it's a component of hemoglobin. So its whole role is to take oxygen from your lungs and bring it to your muscles through the blood. So it's extremely important for obviously aerobic exercise because you have an added demand for additional iron. So that's why it is pretty common in runners. Um, well, I shouldn't say common, but you see it a lot more often in runners um, because they they fail to meet this either with dietary intake or um, proper absorption, which it's interesting that you um, mentioned you haven't really done much research on it because so with vegan and vegetarian athletes, there's two different kinds of iron. There's non-heme and heme iron. And so for vegans and vegetarians, since they're eating more of the non-heme iron or the plant sources of iron, they do need a little bit more uh, vitamin C to help with the absorption of iron. Otherwise, it's basically not going to be as bioavailable when you do eat the iron, if that makes sense. Hmm. So for some reason, vitamin C helps with the uptake of iron. So like even something like doing a iron fortified cereal with a glass of orange juice, that's like a super generic answer there, but yeah, that's like- <laughs> maybe like a bowl of spinach, like spinach is rich in iron. So maybe do that, but you also put like, um, lemon you know, juice. you make a spinach salad. Yeah. You make a spinach salad and you put lemon juice or you put grapefruits on top. I love grapefruit mm. salads. Um, but yeah, so basically finding ways to get some vitamin C in there with, uh, to boost the iron overall. But yeah, sports anemia is very common in endurance athletes. And that's just overall going to be lower levels of hemoglobin. And how I determine that is through a blood test. So I'll see what their hemoglobin, their iron levels are. And in many cases, I might have to have them supplement with a heavier dose of, of ferritin to until that basically gets you know, leveled off and then try to implement, okay, well now how can we get more iron overall in your diet? But so at some point it get, you know, oftentimes it'll get to that point where it's so low that even just saying, Oh, eat a little bit more spinach and beans. Like that's not even going to get them to the point that they need to be. So they do need to supplement. And the problem with iron you'll see is a lot of people struggle with constipation when they take iron, um, like iron pills. So that's going to be a balance too of, you know, they might have to have some more psyllium husk in their diet or flaxseed or something that's going to, you know, help prevent that constipation too. Got it. 
But this is really like someone listening who just eats a balanced plants diet and isn't an endurance athlete or a, you know, figure Mm -hmm. skater really shouldn't like start stressing about their iron right now, would you say? Right. Unless you're having serious issues with fatigue. Like if you're, that's usually a very common, I guess, sign is if you're just feeling very fatigued, then it might be, or if maybe like, you know, you've had a family member too that struggled with it or something else, you know, maybe, maybe just get it checked and and see. And also, you know, another situation I've seen it in too is with celiac disease because um, an athlete came to me who had celiac and she obviously wasn't absorbing nutrients properly. And one of those was iron. So she was very deficient in iron uh, because she didn't know at the time that she had celiac disease. So once she eliminated gluten, this obviously helped with the absorption of iron. But in the meantime, she actually had to get, um, you know, IVs of iron to, to really help uh, wow. get the, those iron levels back. Yeah. God, you're so smart. No, no. Oh, stop it. Big words. Um, (laughs) Okay. What about glutamine? What's up with glutamine? Is it L-glutamine or just glutamine? Both. Both. I've seen it both ways. I think it can go both ways. Yeah. So do you use it? (sighs) No, I don't. When I was first on my IBS journey years and years and years ago, it was a supplement that one of my naturopathic doctors suggested I take to help, I guess, with like my stomach lining or something, but I haven't really hung out with it ever since. Yeah. So, and they're exactly right. It helps with the intestinal lining. Um, Overall, what it is, is it's it's an amino acid again. So here I'm talking about all different amino acids. What's an amino acid? It's basically a protein. It's like a building block of protein is what it is. And there's nine. No, there's 20. Well, oh. well technically, there, 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 there's 20 amino acids, 11 that are non-essential, meaning oh. you don't necessarily need to eat them, and then nine essential, and then three BCAAs. Man, you're really testing my my chemistry. This and, is so and, fun. And I never get to talk <laughs> about this stuff. I mean, I don't know much about it, so it's just fine. Wait, so yeah. it's nine essential meaning nine that your body doesn't make that is essential for you to consciously get yeah and and it gets even more complicated because now we're talking about glutamine which is what they call a semi-essential or even a conditionally essential so (laughs) so conditionally essential means that in most people it's non-essential but in some situations or in some conditions get it conditionally essential it could be necessary. Oh, so yeah. basically it's, um, yeah, it's produced by the body. Uh, you, you can find it in like several different foods, but what it is, is it's, it's basically an energy source for your enterocytes, which are the cells in your intestines, your intestinal lining. And so it helps to repair your gut health, your immunity. And because it is so abundant, it honestly plays roles in like just about everything like muscle soreness, stress, illness. Um, well, that's cause your gut health affects everything everything, seriously, everything. It's like a, your second immune system. Mm -hmm. So your naturopath or, or did you say naturopath Yeah, Mm -hmm. doctor? Yeah. They're spot on with, you know, when you had that issue of IBS, I, I recently recommended it to an athlete of mine who had gastritis to help with recovery of that intestinal lining. Um, but it, yeah, it's basically helps to neutralize the free radicals that are basically causing discomfort or pain in your GI tract. So yeah, they, you know, another study too, that I just remembered, um, Crohn's patients, people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, it's really beneficial for them to, uh, to, to take glutamine regularly. You can take it in powder form, but, um, again, I mean, you can find it naturally in foods as a thing like bone broth 
if you ever have bone broth is really high in glutamine, um, fish, eggs, you're going to get some in, in the egg yolks, and cabbage. Plants. Oh, cabbage. Okay. Isn't that so random? Cabbage. Like, yeah. Can you, so does that mean like sauerkraut would have it? Yes. Okay, yeah, cool. And, and you get so many probiotics. Yeah. So lots of good benefits from that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not really specifically for athletes. It's just for humans that want to improve their gut health. Yes. I would say humans that want to improve their gut health, <laughs> definitely people who have GI disorders or diseases. And also there are more benefits to, to performance that I didn't really talk about, but like in the case of triathlon or ultra endurance athletes, those individuals usually have low levels of blood glutamine just because they have such long periods of intense training and it causes your blood glutamine levels to drop. So in that case, those people could benefit. And in that case, it might help with fatigue or illness or, um, basically just overall help with, you know, allowing your, your body to, to get back faster if you have an injury or, um, an illness going on, because again, your gut is your immune system. So in turn, Mm -hmm. it can, can help with that too. I love that. So for somebody that's like training for a half marathon or a marathon, I feel like I selfishly stole the show and I was like, I do my cardio fasted. But if somebody's like, what the hell? I don't do my cardio fasted. What would you suggest as like a good, this is a complete change of subject, pre-workout for somebody (laughs) about to go do a run as, you know, or just even before their half marathon, like what, what's good for cardio if you're not doing it fasted? Yeah. Okay. So sorry, just totally. I was just thinking of those no, people. No, that's good. Like at home, like, wait, what about me? <laughs> no. And I should mention too, the thing with, I'll go back before I answer this real quick, just to cover the, finish up the glutamine and the oh, okay, sorry. all of those okay. before, before people, listeners go out and buy all these supplements, look at your diet as a whole first, because chances are you could make changes just with your diet alone that overall improve your levels of fatigue, your risk of injury and all of those things before you just go and add a bunch of supplements on top of it. So I should have mentioned that first, but no, I love that. The, That's great. The pre, the pre run meal. So, um, breakfast is usually like the breakfast foods are what I think of. And I think a bowl of oats is perfect. If you do overnight oats, maybe you do some sliced up bananas or some blueberries. Maybe you do a little bit of seeds in there or nuts to get a tiny bit of protein. But again, you want to keep it pretty high carb, especially if you're going to be doing cardio. So oats and bananas or oats and fruit. Um, if you have a little bit more time, maybe you've got like two hours before you're going to do cardio. Maybe you could do like an omelet with some veggies. Maybe you do like a piece of, um, whole grain toast or like sprouted wheat toast, something like that. Um, or if you wanted to do like a half of a bagel, that's another really easy, quick and portable solution. If you don't want to, you know, you can't have a spoon and you can't eat a bowl of oatmeal is you could do like half of a sprouted grain bagel and put a little slab of peanut butter on there and top it with some bananas. Maybe you, you know, get really fancy and sprinkle some hemp seeds on top and you have that um, before too, or honestly, a lot of people, they are just like completely satisfied with doing a bar, like a Lara bar. And if that's, you know, the case, then it wouldn't be my number one suggestion. I would always say, you know, you're going to get more nutrition from a whole actual, you know, whole foods, yeah. but you know, in terms of, you know, you're running to and from, or maybe you're, you know, stuck in a hotel and that's all you've got, then absolutely. It's a simple source of carbohydrates. It's usually, uh, pretty low in fat, you know, might have some nuts or, or, you know, almonds, peanuts, something like that in it. But for the most part, it's pretty high carb. So that could be another solution too. Oh, okay. I always thought a lot of bars is high in fat, but maybe the uh, ratio you know, is a while. Like 
I'll be honest. It's been a while since I had a Lara yeah, bar. Don't they have too. like 10 grams? I don't Nine? know. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I trust you. Yeah. Okay. So you said portable and you said hotel room, which made me think I wanted to ask you about how you do help people like your husband and yourself because you're always traveling with him do this kind of strategic eating in a hotel room or on the road. I mean, you are helping a professional baseball player be able to professionally play baseball when he's in hotel rooms and stuff. What are some tips and advice you have for that? Yeah. So if you are able to pack stuff, I would say, you know, pack things like little individual packets of nut butters. As long as they're like less than four ounces, you can get them through TSA. (laughs) Um, I usually pack little jars, like literally I pack individual jars of like hemp seeds and turmeric and flaxseed with me to just bring kind of everywhere I go. Um, Wait, talk to me about turmeric. Tell me, what do you do with turmeric? So, well, I'm, I'm to the point where I travel so much that I even bring my, my portable Vitamix with me. So I do not expect athletes to do that, but I, I live in, you know, three plus States a year. So I just move so much that I'm like, you know what? I want to have my Vitamix with me. So in my case, I put it in smoothies, um, but you can mix it in just about anything. I mean, as long as it's like a small enough amount that it doesn't really change the taste of what you're eating too much. Um, it's just such a good anti-inflammatory mm. spice. It's going to be so beneficial overall for, you know, the antioxidant properties that it has. So I do recommend athletes and I'm not even an athlete and, and I consume it regularly just because of all the benefits that it has overall on. And you also don't think kind of, of de- yourself as an athlete. Um, I think of myself as, uh, you know, I do recreational triathlon. So oh, you know, like, Jesus. you know, for fun, like that, the shorter okay. distances. For fun. <laughs> yeah, my stuff's for not- fun too. But you said I classify as an athlete. You do. Okay, so I, w- I guess I should call myself Stand an athlete Stand tall and proud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, in, in my case, I mean, there's just so many benefits to turmeric and other spices and, and herbs, which I think is another cool thing about plant-based diet too, is I feel like, and tell me if this is how you work, because I would love to learn about your your vegan chef, like how you became a vegan chef and all of that background, because I think that's amazing. But would you say that when you started cooking that way, you started using more like like seasonings and more like spices and herbs? Yes, you had to like absolutely. More flavor. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm blown away by how fast I go through cinnamon. Like really, I like I don't know. I'm putting cinnamon on everything. I mean, like onion powder, like everything. Like yeah. my spice rack is like my home base. It's like <laughs> we have, you know, what are we, we're making roasted broccoli tonight? What are we seasoning it with? Or roasted sweet potato? Like everything, smoothies. Yeah. Oh, a little cardamom. You know, like yeah, everything. It's funny because I was at um, my husband's family has like a little country house in the Berkshires, and we were there this weekend. And I'm like, there were no, they don't cook. His parents and um there were no herbs at all or no spices. Huh. And I was like, what the hell is, where's my cinnamon? How does the house not have cinnamon? Cause I was trying to like make my own food. And it made me really realize that not everybody uses spices. Exactly. And I feel like those people also like they, they struggle with enjoying vegetables yes. because they eat them with salt and pepper. And I'm mm. like, well, no wonder. I mean, if you were to put some garlic powder or some onion powder or, you know, a little bit pepper. of paprika or yeah, chili pepper. powder or cumin or anything, like anything, anything. Then it would help it so much. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like when I, um, you know, started eating vegetarian, that's when I really realized like, gosh, like I can't just have a 
grilled chicken breasts with salt and pepper. Like I got to, you know, start using seasonings to really make this food taste good. So I think that's another piece that people forget about plant-based eating is you do use so many anti-inflammatory and and nutritious spices in your cooking that um, can have a benefit to your health too. But anyway, thanks for saying that. Yeah, you were asking about um, traveling. Yeah, so. so you have a travel. You're saying you have a travel size Vitamix. You're not saying a Nutribullet. <laughs> There's actually a travel Vitamix. Yeah, so it's it's basically like half the size of a real Vitamix. I don't even know oh. if they make it anymore, oh. but it like I'm like it comes apart, it. and you can put like um, an individual, just like with the Nutribullet. Like you can put like the individual cup in there. You attach the blade to it, and then yeah, it makes like the little cup. You can't really fit much in there, but. Yeah, it is. It's basically like a Nutribullet. And so how do you, do you bring produce with you or do you, are you, when you make your smoothies in a hotel room, like talk, okay, keep, just keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, so I would bring my hemp protein for me. And then for my husband, I bring his NSF because he needs an NSF certified for sport product. It's a third party tested certification Uh as an athlete. Yeah. Baseball, they're really big on that. that. And like yeah, performance, basically. performance enhancing drugs, right? Like all the, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so make sure that he has his, which he uses a, um, he uses, uh, it's called momentous nutrition. It's like a plant-based chai latte mm. flavored. It's NSF certified Yay. for sports. So yeah. So it's made with pea and, and brown rice. So that's what he likes to use. But, um, yeah. So I bring those, I bring the turmeric, the flax, um, the hemp seeds. Usually I don't, since I'm using hemp protein, I usually don't use that there, but I'll get like a thing of almond milk from the grocery store. Um, I might get like a thing of coconut water too. might get a little bit of like frozen fruit. If the, it depends on what our like hotel situation is, if I can even use frozen fruit. Cause uh-huh. you know, some of those mini, mini hotels don't really even have like, like a freezer section. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's the case, I'll just get like some fresh fruit and then just use some ice in it. But yeah, and then of course like spinach or kale or some type of green, but I try to buy, you know, small enough amount that there's very little to no waste. So I really plan it out to see, you know, okay, how much, how many smoothies can we make with this, you know, bag of kale or whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I always bring the Vitamix with me. Um, but that's, like I said, I do not expect, you know, many athletes to do that. But, but, and another thing too, with the minor leagues is, um, you know, cause I do work with a lot of guys in the minors and their wives and they want to cook, but they don't have any, you know, real place to cook in a hotel room. So yeah. a lot of them do bring their crock pot with them, or they'll bring the, the little like miniature, um, you know, the plug-in stovetop. Yeah. Like the burner. Yeah, the little burner. And this is this isn't for like a two day trip. This is for like if they're staying there for two months, like they're living in a hotel, yeah. which is Ugh. very common. Yeah. 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 Ugh. Sucks. So um <laughs> yeah, so in that case, you know, it's really how can you how can you make that work while also only having like a little bathroom sink to clean your dishes in? So it's it's tough. <sighs> and then the obvious of making sure that they know what's around them. So I use different apps like if someone is plant-based, then I'll recommend the happy cow app. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'll use Yelp and just see like what's near them and what, where they can go. If there's any like meal prep places that they can just go pick up a meal. Cause a lot of these guys don't cook. Um, so yeah. they'll go and pick up a meal, but anything to just not have them have Chipotle for like every single meal of every day. Oh God. Um, yeah. That's and fun. then I'm trying to think what else to pack. I, 
I like to pack a little like cooler sometimes. So outside of like the obvious nuts and seeds and fruit and trail mix and those kinds of things that you can pack with you, I pack this little miniature cooler that has like TSA approved sized ice packs. So I usually will put like, um, and this is when I'm flying, I'll pack like a salad or I'll make like a, a Buddha bowl that has like chickpeas and quinoa and broccoli all mixed together. Um, or I might throw like some hard boiled eggs in there or something, but it saves me a lot of money too. Cause then I'm not yeah. buying a bunch of meals at the airport. Oh God, which are so expensive. Even now they have like super healthy ones. They're like a million dollars. Right. They're even more expensive. Yeah. I was just at the airport yesterday and this like teeny tiny little thing of, it was like a, it was at the O'Hare airport. I remember it was basically a chickpea marsala meal and it was like 1399 for like crazy. this tiny little box. I was like, what? It's crazy. crazy. You have to send us the link to put in the show notes of this cooler you're talking about. Cause it sounds pretty neat. You know? Yeah, I will for and sure. The ice called, packs. Yeah. It's called a fit mark bag. Oh, cute. Yeah. Fit mark. Fit mark. Um, yeah. what was I going to ask you? Why did you become planty to begin with? We never covered that. Yeah. So, um, it was actually 2011. So I've been plant-based. Well, I stopped eating chicken about three years ago. So before that it was basically just red meat. So, um, 2011 is when I cut out all red meat and it was kind of a combination of two things. The first was I was in school learning about, you know, the impact of red meat and processed meat on two serious health concerns that my family has struggled with, one of them being heart disease and the other being different types of cancer, like colorectal cancer. And so, you know, obviously with those both running in my family, I was like, well, you know, I don't even like red meat, which that was reason number two is red meat made me super sick. Like I always felt absolutely terrible when I ate steak, which is ironic because Nebraska is like home to like beef and corn, but I just always felt really sick when I ate it. So I completely stopped eating red meat then. And then again, you know, I never liked fish. So that part was pretty easy. But um, with chicken and turkey, I would maybe have it like once or twice a week. Um, and then it was in 2016 that I went to this conference and it was a dietetics conference about, I think it was called therapeutic use of a vegan diet. And it was all about just the health benefits of, you know, Mediterranean diet all the way to vegan diet and just overall plant-based and vegetarian and, and really just showing, you know, that it's, it's literally the best diet out there in my <laughs> opinion for most people. I'll say some people, you know, obviously it won't work for them, but yeah. And I was like, well, this is a no brainer. Like I don't really need to even eat chicken. And it wasn't even like, it was hard for me to give up because I didn't really eat it that much to begin with. Uh-huh. Um, but I think when I did, when I gave it up, my husband, you know, I told him all the research and obviously, you know, he was fully on board with it too, but he was like, but like, where are we going to get our protein? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the question every person asks. And it's so funny because you have to totally revamp your mind around like, I feel like people make meat the main component of every meal uh-huh. and it's like everything else, everything else around it has to circ- like go around. What is the meat here? And so it's more about like, okay, well now we remove the meat, but like, how can we make this meal, you know, just as filling and which is pretty easy as you know, with all the fiber and oh, um, totally. everything else. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so 2016 is really when it, when it really started. And I just have, honestly, I just have never felt like just never felt better. Like, yeah. I hate to say my, like, like my weight hasn't changed at all in years, but you just feel lighter. Yeah. Like you 
feel like it, it's hard to explain, but I feel lighter. I feel just so much better. My energy levels are better. And again, I do eat eggs. I, I love eggs. But besides that, that's that's really it. I might when we went to Napa, I definitely had cheese at the wine tasting. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what am I? Got it. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have cheese every once in a while, but that's about it. Does dairy play a negative role for athletes? You know, it does for a lot of athletes, but it depends, obviously, on the athlete. Like some some athletes may have no issue at all, and others could feel amazing when they, you know, cut out dairy because whether it's joint pain that they're suffering from or acne or bloating, gas, um, dairy affects more people than I think you know, people really realize it does, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's funny because when you look at sports nutrition products, a lot of them are dairy, Yeah, the whey, whey protein. Yeah. Like cottage cheese, all that stuff. That's so, you know, and yeah, I mean, there's tons of research showing the benefits of whey protein, but there's new research coming out now too. That's showing that, you know, a soy protein powder is, and a pea protein powder that recently came out too. pea protein powder is just as beneficial as way. Yeah. And so, suck it, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, athletes are kind of going more towards that, that dairy free, uh, you know, lifestyle. And, yeah. and I, I like to see it, honestly. I think, yeah. I think people eat way too much dairy. Totally. And, and a lot of the dairy is just so processed and pumped with antibiotics and all sorts of shit, you know, like you're, it's not just even the dairy, it's all the other crap you're getting too. Right. And like fat free creamer, like what even is that? Like what that, poison. I don't even know what's in there. It's poison. Yeah. Fat free, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, and usually when I see an athlete's diet, it's not really nutritious forms of dairy. It's usually like they had a ton of cheese and sour cream on their Chipotle bowl. Oh. Or they had, you know, it's, it's types of dairy that, you know, aren't even mm. helping with inflammation at all. It's not even, you know, like if, if it's yogurt. a little bit of whey protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was like a little bit of protein or whey protein here and there, or maybe like some kefir or something like mm-hmm. that, like that's a different story. But right. you know, if, it, if it's a bunch of sour cream and cheese, like what is that doing for your performance? Like, totally. That's, Got it. Amazing. Oh, I believe in everything you're saying and you're giving science <laughs> to prove everything I've thought. And this is so fun. Okay. I, we should get going. So I have a few final questions. <laughs> One question is what is yoga and like, bar count as if somebody's listening and they're like okay I understand what to eat you know around a cardio workout and around a weight workout but I just do yoga or I just do bar and pilates like it dawned on me that there's a lot of people like that what do they what do they do such a good question so I would not apply as much carbohydrates in this scenario because when you look at something like bar compared to something like a hit or a crossfit class like those, the, the calories burned is night and day different. You're going to burn so many more calories in that CrossFit class than bar. So if you were to, you know, like eat like an athlete here in this situation where, you know, you're having all your carbs and protein pre and your carbs and protein after you might run into the issue of weight gain because you're not again, having, you know, a huge deficit there in calories. You're just basically burning. Maybe I would say somewhere around 200 calories for a class. So most, in that I situation, like, yeah, unless it's like oh, vigorous right. hot yoga. Yeah. Yes. Vigorous hot yoga. Yeah. Which I have been to those classes. Those yeah. are pretty tough. Yeah. But yeah. So in the case of those yoga and bar classes, I think instead, you know, finding a basically a pre class snack or meal that you know is going to provide you with energy to get through that class, especially something like a hot yoga class. Like you could get 45 minutes into it and like start shaking because maybe you didn't eat, 
you know, a proper snack before. So that's something we're like, definitely, you know, eat a pre-workout snack, but don't worry too much about, you know, the fat content here. Um, if you wanted to have a little bit more fat here, or, you know, don't worry about getting a specific amount of carbohydrates. It's not as important. If anything is more important, it's going to be the hydration, especially Mm. in those heated classes. So making sure that you're hydrating before the class, because that's an issue I see often is people wait until the point that they're already feeling the sense of, you know, severe thirst to be like, gosh, I need to drink water. But at that point, it's going to be really hard. You're basically playing catch up with your body to get rehydrated again. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of start earlier in advance and drink before your class so that when you get to your class, you're already well hydrated. So if that class is set to 105 degrees, you know, you're going to get through that hour just fine because you are well hydrated. Perfect. Perfect answer. I mean, that was wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Oh, good. Final planty questions for you. What is your favorite plant party restaurant? I have multiple and I want to hear yours too. Oh, thank um, you. You're so sweet. Okay. So, <laughs> so my husband and I lived in uh, Philadelphia for three years. So okay. our go-to spot there was, have you been to Philadelphia? Yes. Are you going to say veg? No, oh, not veg. It's called veg. Charlie was a sinner. <laughs> that's hilarious charlie was a sinner. you'll have to look it up Not charlie yet. was a sinner it's a completely vegan restaurant it's a little it's it's very small um it's got a really cool like ambiance um it's it's really cool it was our first ever like fully vegan restaurant we went to together and it was really what like turned him on into like plant-based foods. Cause they had this like tofu ricotta that was just amazing. And everything, everything at that restaurant was delicious. So that's number one, Charlie was the center, I think. Cool. And then another place we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, for a year and they have this little place called Fern and that has really, really good cinnamon rolls, vegan cinnamon rolls, Ooh. like the best. Yeah. 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 Really good. Rex, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so what's your favorite? I I mean, I so cliche, but I love ABCV, which is what oh, like, yeah. everybody says on the podcast. And for good reason, it's fantastic. I love by Chloe for some, oh, of course. you know, yes. junk food vibes. I love Little Beat and Little Beat Table. Yes, those are really good too. Good. Um, I'm like thinking those are what come to mind. Right now, I mean, honestly, my favorite thing to do, I used to frequent all the vegan restaurants, you know, make all the rounds. But Mm -hmm. then I'm like, you know what? Nowadays, so many non-vegan restaurants do plants so well that I don't even like that's it's a non-issue. Like Mm -hmm. you can just go to most restaurants, well, at least the good ones in New York and get like orgasmically good carrots, (laughs) you know, or like quinoa. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh So that's pretty fun. (laughs) <laughs> and even, yeah, I feel like so many places are doing like lentil meals and oh, yeah. like the, the most amazing black bean burgers. And, oh, there was this great place in Vegas too called Panacea, but they fortunately went out of business, but they had these amazing barbecue black bean burgers and they would put these like teeny tiny little strips of not healthy at all, but fried onions. Oh my gosh. It was Yum. so 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 good, but Sounds delicious. Yeah. Oh, I also love um the Matthew Kenny Double O and Co Pizza Place. Oh, I haven't heard it's of that. Fantastic. He makes this like I I don't know. It's like some Double O pizza 
crust. I don't know what it means. I think it's like kind of gluten free, but not like fully, huh. but like good. I don't, I don't know, but it's phenomenal. Like they're great salads, mm. all these vegan pizzas. So that's really, really good too. I'm like trying to think, but those are my tops. Oh, Thank you for asking. No one's ever asked yeah. me that before. Really? Well, not like on me. my own podcast. Okay. What yeah. is your favorite plant <laughs> to eat? Uh, probably bananas. Ooh, bananas nice. are like the OG energy bar for me. You can throw it in your bag, your purse. This no, it gets squished. Great. That's true. It does. <laughs> like bananas are the worst travel food. I always say don't travel <laughs> with bananas. They oh get gosh, squished what? in like a second. I feel like I, I feel like the moment I t- with bananas. The moment I, I take one out of my house, it's like black. <laughs> See, but I kind of like when they're a little bit like that. Oh, I do too. I hate. (laughs) Yeah. More so. I just, maybe I'm just really extra cautious and careful with my bananas, but that's going to be my number one food, whether it's from my bag or not. I think another one would be, um, hmm. I don't know. I've been on a real like collard greens kick lately. Mm, Like as a wrap. Yes. I love it as a wrap too, but I actually like them sauteed. And then I put a little bit of that, everything but the bagel seasoning on top uh-huh. from Trader Joe's. Yes. If you've had that. I have not because we don't have one near us, which is silly. Uh-huh. And the one, the closest one to us is in Union Square. And the line literally goes out into the oh, street sure. to even get I'm into sure. the store. Like there's a wait line. Like it's a club, you know, it's Gosh. like, you know, VIPs get in and get red, dark velvet. <laughs> <laughs> whatever anyway so yeah I don't go there but someday I would like to go back to Trader Joe's yeah. but I've heard good things yeah that everything but the bagel seasoning is is really good on like avocados and collard greens especially oh I just love it so good what is your most used kitchen tool um my chef's knife for sure mm. do you travel with one I actually do have a little bag that mm-hmm. I I mean if I'm not only going to be there for like a couple days. No, but if we're moving somewhere, then yeah, I bring my little, um, chef's bag kit with me. That's so cute. Yeah. So, so, or so chef's knife and, uh, Vitamix too. Yeah. That's what I was expecting you to say. Um, what is your favorite thing that you do for self care? It's a new question I'm throwing into the mix. I love that one. Honestly, exercise (laughs) of all forms. I love yoga, running, lifting, any type of workout or really just getting a sweat is like my go-to self-care. I'm right there with you hundred percent. What is a book that has inspired you in some awesome way? Hmm. So it's been a long time since I read a book like cover to cover, but one book I did really like, it was called the power of habit. Hmm. Have you heard of it? No, but I like the name. Yeah. So it's by this guy, Charles Duhigg, and it talks about the habit loop. And it's really, it's been beneficial for my clients that are more like weight management and weight loss, because it kind of identifies, you know, the the patterns that you go through that really cause a habit to stick. And so, you know, it has like a cue and then you've got the routine and you've got the the reward that comes with it. So it's about manipulating and, and controlling that loop to get it to go a different direction to basically change a habit. So it's been super helpful, honestly, with, with my own life, my own habits and with, with my clients. Cool. The power of habit. Simple. And I wanted to ask you, 
what is your husband's pre-baseball game smoothie? I feel like knowing what a, mm-hmm. what a professional athlete actually eats before a game is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've got to, I've got to think about this here. So, so he does the unsweetened almond milk. Okay. Um, and then he does uh, kale, spinach, or both. Like and how then, much? Like a handful or like three oh, handfuls? Oh, yeah. Just not, nothing too crazy. Like, okay. like a handful of each. Okay. And then he does frozen berries. Nice. I honestly think his smoothie is disgusting. Like, oh. I think it's terrible. But he loves it. So I figure you make it for him. Yeah, I do. But, oh, he, but he loves the taste. I think it's super gross. That's but um, then he does the frozen berries. Okay. And then he does uh, turmeric maca powder mm. and uh protein powder okay and um trying to think what else here sometimes he'll put a banana in there this sounds very good i don't know what your problem is <laughs> i you know what i hate maca you don't like powder. this protein you do oh i love it oh i hate it um, i just i don't know the taste i just i yeah, can't do it and then taste. like <laughs> and the only fruit he's got in there is berries like i just feel like it doesn't mm-hmm. do it for me like it's i'm funny. more of like the mangoes and the pineapple and the girls yeah these. just yeah <laughs> so so then um yeah he does the protein powder that i mentioned and then um yeah i think that's about it cool and oh, what- sometimes no sometimes he'll put some oats in there too if he needs a little bit more carbs uh-huh. what position is he um he is utility third mostly but um left right field first base yeah awesome it's kind of all over that's so cool that's so fun okay awesome well weird way to end but where can everybody (laughs) stay connected with you i know you have such great information like this is just a taste of what you offer for free online so where should everybody go so on Instagram, I'm Elite Nutrition, and it's E-L-E-A-T Nutrition. And that's where I am on Twitter and Facebook as well. And my website is EliteNutrition.com. So basically, if you just remember Elite Nutrition, you'll find me on, <laughs> on every platform. Yeah. So. Oh, wonderful. Well, this was an elite conversation. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm, it was an honor to be here. Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. Was this chat a home run or what? I'm just so proud of plants for not only helping regular peeps perform their best in their errands and their emails and witty Facebook posts, but also for helping high-level athletes slay it in their athletic stuff. You go, Plant Coco. You go. And you go, dear listener, and share this with someone, would ya? I am sure you can think of at least seven friends and fam who might want to tweak the plants they eat to crush the exercise they do. So please go share this with them. And a handy dandy recap of this chat is waiting for YOU at partyinmyplants.com slash 174.